How can we change the conversation about diabetes? For Diabetes Awareness Month, that's the question Diabetes Canada is tackling head on. I'm Krista Lamb, and today I'm talking to Laura Siren, President and CEO of Diabetes Canada, about her journey with type 2 diabetes and the many ways we can improve outcomes for people by rethinking how we talk about what it's like to live with this condition. This is part one of a two part series with Laura. So be sure to watch out for our next episode to hear the conclusion of our chat. Welcome to the show. It is so nice to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really thrilled to be here. Well, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a little bit about who you are and about your diabetes journey? Sure. So my name is Laura Siren. I am the president and CEO of Diabetes Canada, but I am also someone who lives with type 2 diabetes. And I wear both those hats often. <laughs> and so as I think about my diabetes journey, it started really quite surprisingly to me because there is no diabetes in my family. And so this was not something I was expecting. My family is what you might call the cancer family. And so I spent a lot of time growing up worrying about that. So was really shocked, Krista, when I went for a regular annual physical and of course, pieces now make more sense. But at the time, I thought I was feeling healthy, sometimes maybe a bit higher, but I have two kids and I have a pretty busy job and all that sort of stuff. And I had been switching through some family physicians. One had left. I'm in a family practice. One had gone on mat leave. So I was very shocked when the mat leave replacement just turned. I'll never forget. I was sitting in that little room that you are with your family doc and just thinking she was going to say, hey, it all looks great. You know, here you are, what was I at the time, maybe just just before 50 years old? And she turned around and in this really blunt, honestly, thinking about it later, not so nice way, said, well, you have diabetes, so here's what we're going to do. And I, shock does not begin to cover it. I certainly wasn't ready to hear what we're going to do about it. And one of the things that struck me at that moment was I actually didn't understand the meaning of what she said. Like I understood the words, I had diabetes, but if she had almost said any other disease, like if she had said you had cancer, you have Parkinson's, you have MS, I would have already had a mental picture of what was happening, what was happening in my body, what I could expect. For diabetes, there was just this big blank. And I want to talk about that later because I think that's really important that people don't understand even what it means. And our society, despite the fact that one in three people in this country either have diabetes or at high risk of it, to have a big blank there. So I was just processing it. And then the second wave of feeling was intense shame. And my first thought is, oh my God, I must be overweight and I did something wrong. And, and meanwhile, she's talking and it's almost like the Peanuts parents. I could see her lips moving, but it was like, wah, 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 wah. So finally I had to say, okay, I just didn't hear anything you just said. Mm -hmm. And she goes, oh, you look a bit shocked. I go, I don't even know. She goes, well, you're A1C. I go, I don't even know what that is. Like, what are you talking about? So she said, oh, well, your sugars are higher. And I go, but how can I just go from walking into this room, not having a disease to leaving this room with a disease, like, can I get rid of it? So I said, you need to sort of tell me. And to be honest, like, I think it could have been done a lot differently. Yeah. To, to be totally honest with you. But I also have heard 
since I've come into this role, which is about three and a half years now, I'm not alone in having this experience. So to be honest, I said, well, what do I have to do? And the first thing she said is, well, we could put you on medication. I said, no, no, no. And so she said, well, we can try with lifestyle interventions. And I said, what am I trying to do? And she's like, you're trying to get this number down and you need to eat better and you need to exercise and da, da, da. And then she said, but then we should think about cholesterol. And, and in my mind, it was just this, I'd gone from being a healthy person, almost my category in life had changed. Like, was I now a patient? And was I going to be a patient for the rest of my life? And what did that mean? And all that sort of stuff. So I said, no, no, I want to try lifestyle. And I left there and I actually wandered, my doctor is in downtown Toronto, I actually wandered around Young Dundas Square a little bit, honestly, a little bit dazed. And then I came home and my husband said, oh, so, you know, good checkup as always. And I turned to him and I said, I have diabetes. And he had the same, and he said, what does that mean? I said, I have no idea. And he said, oh, and my parents are long deceased from cancer. And he said, you know, we should tell my mom. I said, don't you dare tell anybody. And he goes, whoa. I go, no, 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 no. This is my news to share. And he said, but what's wrong? I go, I'm not comfortably sharing. And he goes, but I don't understand. Like if you got anything, I go, but I feel like I did this. And my husband's great. And he was like, of course you didn't do it. Like it's a disease or whatever. So there are still people, Krista, and this is seven years later, who are, you know, a couple social circles removed who still don't know. I still struggle with it. And here I am, the president of Diabetes Canada. So the struggle is real. Yeah, no, definitely. For those who are listening and are out there, the struggle is real. And part of my journey has been coming to grips with it. But I would also say, you know, I went back three months later and it hadn't gotten any better. And I was just, quote unquote, trying to eat better and exercise better. Like, but what was that? What was that even? So I started going on medication. It was interesting, though. I went on my early metformin but I wouldn't go on my cholesterol. And the doctor's like, it's just preventative. But again, it was self-blame and it was like, I'm not ready to be a patient yet and all that. So, I mean, fast forward sort of seven years later, I still, uh, you know, am I glad I have it? Absolutely not. <laughs> um, we're probably going to talk about research later. One of the things about research is I would love if there was a cure. But I would also love if there was more research into why certain treatments work for me and certain don't, what they call in research responders and non-responders, right? So for me, for example, metformin, which is common, but I had terrible gastro symptoms. And I actually put up with that for three months. Like, for example, I couldn't take the bus or the subway anymore because I had to be close to a washroom or whatever. And my doctor was like, why didn't you just come in? And we'd try a different medication. And I was like, I thought this is what it meant to live with diabetes. I thought this was my punishment. And she was like, what is this? And, I, and so I have a new doctor now, still in the same family. And she's amazing. And it's night and day. And so one of the things I've learned with my journey is to really see not only my doctor, but I have an amazing dietitian who almost is almost more helpful to me. Not because I don't know, you know, what's a healthy food and whatnot. But it's almost like a companion in the journey with me. Like I go in, her name's Smitha. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Smitha, like, it's just hard to keep like eating. And she's just kind of there for me. Right. And then she's like, well, what are you missing? I'm like, I'm missing like the crunch of potato chips or something. So she's like, well, let's think about celery or let's think, you know, so I just find it's better. And then for me, a huge game changer is about a year and a bit ago. 
I uh, gave in and got a continuous glucose monitor. Oh my God, game changer. Like, because I thought it was going to be a bit policey and I didn't want to be policed in that way. If anything, it's given me a feeling of autonomy and control. Yeah. Like I can tell, you know, if I'm starting to feel a bit funny, in quotes, I can immediately know it's nothing to do with my diabetes, like my blood sugar's good or, oh my gosh, you're really having a low or you're having a high or whatever. And as I exercise, I've really gotten into Peloton recently and I've been able, because of the CGM, the monitor, I've been able to see patterns. So for example, whatever is happens with my body and my diabetes, in the first 10 minutes, I can drop quite precipitously. Um, and so I work with my doctor and she's like, okay, well then before you get on the bike, what can we do? Can we raise it up a bit so it doesn't go so low? For me, that's been really important because, for example, I've had a couple lows on the bike and my doctors explained to me, if you have a low and you faint or pass out, you'll have to take your driver's license away for four months. And that was a total shocker and would be really change of quality of life for me. And so for me, it's like, okay, so I'm even more committed to my monitor. So that I don't, but it's in my control. I can do it. I, I can see that. So I'm not on insulin yet. I'm still on oral medication. I'm not exactly at the numbers my doctor would like me to be. So we're trying different medications. It's physically and mentally exhausting at times because as people often say uh, when they know I work at Diabetes Canada, like diabetes is 24-7 and there's no break. And boy, is that true. I was laughing with a friend. I was switching my monitor. They only last for 14 days and I was switching my monitor and I actually deliberately left a day so I could eat some bad stuff. And my friend is pointing out to me very rationally, it's still going in your body. I go, I know, but I can't see it on my monitor. And uh, so it's just sometimes you just want a break, you know, and, and people with type one, even less of a break. Right. I mean, there it's just it's relentless. Right. So for me, I'm learning to live with it. It's very important that I make sure I have my eyes checked. I make sure I get my feet checked. I, I really I'm on top of that because when you understand what some of the complications are, it's, you know, I'm really going to work very hard to be as healthy as I can for as long as I can, you know, but without giving up my quality of life. Yeah, so that's sort of where I am. I, just recently, it was interesting. Sadly, I got COVID in August, and I was really feeling unwell. And another stigma, if people are listening who live with diabetes, that they might have experienced too, is every time I have had quite serious fatigue after this COVID, um, I'm in week seven now of that fatigue. And every time I go in to see my doctor, or even I did a walk in when I was away, the first thing is, oh, you're diabetic. And then everything gets put into that box and it's like, oh, well, the chest pain must be your heart. I'm like, no, it's on the right side of my body. And unless my heart has grown on the wrong side and I've had to push for it. So finally I got a puffer, but everything was seen through this lens of you are your diabetes versus I'm a person who had COVID and is struggling to recover. And maybe it's completely unrelated to my diabetes. And can you treat me as a whole person? So I'm there. And then, of course, this opportunity to lead the organization came along and it just felt right for me. So that's been an important part of my journey, too. Yeah. And you you hit on so many of the really important things. 
I just wanted, as an aside, to let the listeners know that if you are interested in driving and hypoglycemia, we had the episode with Ian Bloomer that came out this season where he talks about that a little bit and about the importance of CGM for people who want to drive safely with diabetes, especially if they are someone who is prone to hypoglycemia. So just a little plug in there. But one of the other things that you mentioned, and this is really interesting to me, I was recently on the Brains podcast talking about diabetes stigma. And one of the things that we talked about was how diabetes is the only condition that it feels okay to make fun of. It's the only condition where it feels okay that we say, oh, I'm going to eat this plate of diabetes. And that is so stigmatizing. So you mentioned how hard it was for you to let people know because we have this shame and this blame that, oh, I did this to myself, which we know is inaccurate from the side of you that is, you know, the science brain. But we also, as humans, have been, you know, conditioned again and again and again, you know, every time the news comes on and someone talks about diabetes and all you see are these larger bodies and big cups of soda and all of this stuff that is so stigmatizing. What is Diabetes Canada's focus now? I know this is something that's big for you on trying to reduce some of that stigma so people feel a little bit less like you did this to yourself, because when you feel that way, it can be really hard to do better for yourself. Absolutely. And we do, in fact, know there's research that shows that up to a third of people live with diabetes also live with clinical depression. And so there is a real physiologic connection too, right? That this isn't just, well, you're a little sad because you have diabetes. No, like this can really be emotionally impactful as it is sort of physically impactful. And so this is something I feel, as you can tell, feel very, very strongly about. And we're working on an initiative called Change the Conversation. And really what I feel very strongly and we feel strongly is we really need to change the conversation among all levels of society, all different organizations in society about diabetes. Think almost mental health 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. When it was sort of stigmatized, you didn't talk about it publicly, you certainly didn't disclose at work, you wouldn't have gone to see a counselor and tell people about it, that kind of stuff. Well, same thing for diabetes, right? And and it's not just stigma, Krista, too. It's it's actually misunderstanding. So I also find I have people say, oh, how hard was that to tell me you have diabetes? Plus, they have the cure, right? They have insulin? Okay, no. <laughs> you know, so there's also an apathy, I think. It's like, well, and if you're going to get something, that's better than getting this other thing, right? And so there's a misunderstanding of what's all involved in living with diabetes. There is an apathy of even if there is some understanding, it's like almost, well, so what? Like, didn't Banting figure that out? Like, isn't it all cured? And the answer is no, it's not cured. And then there's certainly stigma. And the stigma, too, even causes issues between the two main kinds of diabetes, right? Because there are like type 1 are people, you know, who can't produce any insulin. And often we'll hear people with type 1 say, I wish there was even a different name for my disease because the type 2ers, it came on them. I didn't do anything. And I'm not saying they try to blame. It's just that it causes friction even between the two groups. And so what we really want to do is is try to change that conversation in a number of ways. The first is to really help people who live with diabetes, like myself. And there are 5.8 million Canadians who live with diabetes. Now, sadly, 1.7 million of them don't even know they have it. Okay. But there's about 4 million people. An analogy we use, Krista, is think of diabetes in Canada as a pool. 
Mm-hmm. And in the pool are the people with diabetes. And there's about 5.7 million Canadians in the pool. And some of them are in the shallow end. And that's like me, right? Like I'm working hard to stay in the shallow end. And some of them have gone into the deep end and they have had a heart attack. They're having real kidneys issue with dialysis. They've gone blind. They've had to have amputations. And we work hard to make sure they have the care and support that they need. But then in Canada, there are 6 million people sitting around the edge of the pool with their feet in the pool, like their legs are dangling in because they are at high risk or pre-diabetic. And then the question is, as they fall into the pool, are they going right into the deep end? Are they in the shallow end? And then there's many, many Canadians walking towards the pool, right? For us, as we think about change the conversation, the first thing to think about is people in the pool. If we could change the conversation and people could be more open about their diabetes, for example, and get more support, the people in the pool would have a better quality of life. So picture this, if I'm in the shallow end, but I feel like I can't disclose my diabetes at work, and then I have a low, or my monitor's going off. I mean, I laugh to myself at Diabetes Canada. We have a lot of people who live with diabetes working there, and we're on Zoom, and some beeper is going off, some monitor's going off, and it's totally normal. And someone might say, I have to deal with a low, I'll be back in a minute or two. But in many organizations, people do not feel comfortable. So if you go to your place of work and you have a monitor or an insulin pump or you have to go prick your finger, you know, would your boss understand? People are worried, like, would they get fired? You know, so if we could change the conversation, people could understand this is a disease. It's manageable. You can drive. You can participate. You can be a firefighter. We did a lot of advocacy to make sure that firefighters Um, can, you know, have diabetes and you can be one. You can be an airline pilot in your place of work, but also in your community. There are many communities gather around food, right? And food is so important. And when you have diabetes, you immediately sort of feel other, like in that, well, you know, I can't sit in my community. Like I can't have as many pierogies as I used to have at my Easter, you know, or in South Asia, right? Like the rice, And the, you know, like all this sort of stuff. And it's like, okay, so how can I still fit in? So how do we allow people to understand themselves that if, you know, if you live with diabetes, here are some tools and ways that you can talk to your family about it, that you can talk to friends about it. If you're a healthcare provider, think of my story, how could it have been different If my doctor had turned around and not just said, you have diabetes, here's what we're going to do about it, but it said, okay, I'm not sure if this has even ever been put on your radar, Mm -hmm. but your blood sugar is elevated and this actually falls in the diabetes range, this is probably going to come as a shock. And the first thing you need to know is nothing you did. Like, even if that one sentence had come out of my doctor's mouth... I'm not saying I would still have run and told everybody, but immediately things would have been different. Amazing and incredibly good advice. And it has been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time to share your story and to give us a little bit more information about the amazing things that Diabetes Canada is doing to support this work. Thank you, Krista. A huge thank you to Laura Siren for joining us today. And be sure that you tune into our next episode to hear part two of this conversation. I can't wait to share it with you. 
If you liked today's show, please be sure to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast provider of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really does help others find the show. If you'd like more information on this topic or others related to diabetes, visit diabetes.ca or contact Diabetes Canada at info at diabetes.ca. You can also find us on social media and on all the platforms at Diabetes Canada. Thanks for listening.